0: Hello oh, and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGalliard. Uh, I have, I'd say alongside me, but on the Zoom, my friend, uh, my co-host, Parker Fleming. Parker, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. One of these days, Grant, we're going to do a podcast in person, and it is going to be
0: magnanimous. They, uh, they're they not ready for it, Parker. They, they no. don't know the power. <laughs> One room even can't matter. handle it.
1: <laughs> it doesn't even matter who the antecedent is there. I, I don't even know who they are, but they're not ready <laughs>
0: The general they won't be able to handle you and I laughing about Brock Purdy's QBR not being old enough to date, oh my which gosh. is the funniest thing I've ever heard someone say on a podcast. Um, I think I
1: think that's it. I think that's my peak. Like, I'm just, I'm downhill from there. That was very funny. Yeah.
0: I, I thought about it like two days later and just started laughing to myself in bed. Uh, it's It's been a tough time down here in Bay City. Uh, Hurricane Nicholas blew through and I've been without power for the last two days, but We are back up and running, and I'm I'm holding on to whatever last bit of sanity I have left. So this should be a good podcast. (laughs)
1: That's great. That's great. We uh, we're here and we're alive, and there's much to be said about
0: that. Yeah, I mean, you know, at at the end of the day, as long as you see the next sunrise, the day's been a success. I think.
1: In many ways. Parker
0: just gave me the shrug of sure, man, whatever. Um, (laughs) Whatever you need,
1: whatever you (laughs) need to get through the day.
0: As you can so, tell, this is a bi-week podcast, and we are struggling for content. But we uh, have a here. good show planned. No, there is nothing planned. There I are a couple no decent games this weekend. Um, I'm very curious to see... Uh, I'm losing it now, but I know uh, Auburn plays Penn State. Uh, doesn't Ohio State have like another decent or strange game coming? Or am I making that up?
1: Uh, that That is not...
0: I know I put you on the that spot. That was not a minor kind of Okay, I'm maybe not. Though. I know Cincinnati. Cincinnati no. plays Indiana. They're
1: playing That'll Tulsa. Cincinnati, Indiana is interesting. Never mind. Michigan State, Miami is interesting. Virginia yep. Tech, West Virginia at 11 a.m. on Saturday is probably the drunkest game of college football season that so far.
0: I, I, only to be followed by Oklahoma, Nebraska, which will be a drunk game for very different reasons.
1: See, I don't think that. Yeah, that 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 will not be. The difference between those two is. Virginia Tech and West Virginia will start out a drunk game, like people will be drunk going into that game. Oklahoma, Nebraska is going to be a bunch of Nebraska fans just getting obliterated uh, about halfway through the second quarter.
0: Yeah, you're right. it's not a drunk game. It's a drunk dealing with a game. It's a drunk cope, if you will.: Yes. yeah,
1: I, I don't 100 percent know. I feel like cope cope is an internet meme, but
0: no, no, it, it will be coping. In Lincoln, there was uh, there's a great uh, a Twitter account. I think it's uh, it's message board geniuses. I don't remember the uh, the app, but they just basically post screenshots of people on various message boards of college football teams around the country. It's really fantastic. And uh, someone on Nebraska's message board was saying that they think Adrian Martinez is a better quarterback than a uh, uh, Spencer Rattler. So, you got that going for him.
1: In some ways, I'm like, yeah, man, it's really hard to be a quarterback when you are getting killed every play. Like, there's definitely some max dug and energy going with Adrian Martinez, but also,
0: also, like, there is objective fact. And the objective fact is that Spencer Rattler's a better quarterback than Adrian Martinez. So
1: yeah, just yeah. I, just a little bit, you know, by a hair, but it's close. By well,
0: yeah, it, we'll call it by a nose. You know, it's a horse race. Um Parker, we do have an actual agenda. Would you like to get to it? Let's do Is it. there? I should say, are there any topics in college football? Anything else you want to get to before we get to what we had planned?
1: No. No. I probably should end up writing a thing. <laughs> okay. There's something weird with PFF's pressures. There's something weird with play-by-play data this year, man. I don't know if it's like a labor shortage issue or that they don't care or that you know, college football, somebody's, somebody's entrepreneurial spirit has made it where – public college football data is not that important but like play-by-play data is screwed right now um and even even pff data is screwed right now so
0: we're gonna do a little on the spot explain it to an idiot and maybe a little bit pull back the curtain if you will but but for a guy like you a a quant if you will um how do you what do you use to access that play-by-play data what what public things are available
1: yeah, so you can go to ESPN or com, and you can kind of figure out how the website is set up and basically what both of those websites do, the front facing. So when you go to like ESPN.com, TCU versus Cal, you get the game cast, you get the play-by-play, that stuff is all populated through an API, like a data set, whatever. Right. And if you you know know what you're doing, you can kind of get in there and, and find the API, and you can ping it and say, I'm going to take this data from it. Um, or like ncaa.com references just a, a JSON, like an a unstructured data set. And so what I do is I go through, I go to the scoreboard, I get all the game IDs, and then I loop over those game IDs and I pull the game play-by-play. And then I okay. clean it and I do the EPA model and I do all the stats and everything The problem is not with my, like, it's not like, oh, I can't get to the data. I don't have access. It's that there are inconsistencies in the play-by-play data. It's that some of the data doesn't exist. It's that some of the data is like coded wrong and no one cares. And so it's just, it's a mess. Like Kansas State, I think on my website, if you look at right now, cfb-graphs.com, Kansas State has a starting field position of 73.5. Which,
0: yeah,
1: should be like twenty something, but it's coded the wrong way, and it's just like the way that they are putting it in, it's not consistent, and so, um, yeah, it's just it's just kind of a mess all around, uh, which is not great because public access to data is really fun, and not having public access to data is not very fun. <laughs> but then, like PFF, I think my theory here is just that like they they care so much about the draft. That like outside of the the, you know the top ten matchups or whatever, they're paying teenagers like six dollars an hour to chart stuff, and those teenagers are are just doing a shitty job. So like I went back through and watched rewatch Cal TCU today and looking at the pressure numbers, they have five pressures given to the offensive line, but Max Duggan was pressured for fifteen dropbacks. And so the issue isn't like, oh, they're you know, like a quarterback can induce a pressure. But looking at the game and looking at all the pressures, ten of those were not. Oh, Max Duggan held onto the ball too long. They were like right. the pocket collapsed. But also, it doesn't take into account the fact, like, you know, if, if all four receivers run routes of like fifteen yards, and a guy gets there, like, that's not. You you have to penalize the offensive line for that. So we just there, right. there's just a data crisis today.
0: Well, uh, I hate that for you. I can see that. The crazed look in your eye uh, that happens anytime there's a data crisis—it's a—it's—it's uh, it's the man's been in the mountains too long and he misses his numbers. And look, uh,
1: we're we're at threat level midnight over here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, Parker, let's uh, let's talk college football. Let's talk college football. Let's talk Big
1: Twelve teams. Yeah.
0: Yes, exactly. So, I think during our long-ranging uh, preview editions episodes of this podcast, we, we set goals for each college football team. In the Big 12. I've boiled those down to one sentence. And through two games of the season, we're going to see if these teams are on pace or off pace to achieve these goals. And if they're off pace, what are the new goals? Does that sound fair to you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and that's going to be a nice um, – this is like a nice kind of benchmark too. We did a lot of previewing this off season, and I think a lot of that mm-hmm. still absolutely holds up. But it is fun to check in after two weeks and say, like, what's different? What do we expect? Whatever. So um, that's great. Let's let's do it. I'll, I'll pull up some stats and and uh, we can kind of, yeah, figure out where we're going.
0: Okay, great. So let's start um, at the bottom. No offense to the Kansas Jayhawks, but we're going to start with Kansas. I think uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to borrow from uh noted hero of the college football internet, Jason Kirk. Uh, and, and I think Bill Connolly, too, but... Kansas's goals this year were get some exercise and win at least two games. I think they're on track, Parker. I'm not feeling bad about it.
1: I'm not feeling bad about it. I have Kansas right now at 97th overall in EPA per play margin. I have them at 71st on offense, which would be a huge improvement. Uh, and I have them at 111th on defense, which is no worse than they were last year. So on net, that's an improvement.
0: Right. And Kansas started the year. They beat South Dakota 17-14. Congratulations. Celebrate. Tear down the goal, goal post, Do all that. They got beat by Coastal Carolina. There is no shame in that. And they didn't. We talked about this on Sunday, I think. They weren't a meme. They were just a normal college football team that got beat, which they is great. They almost covered, dude yeah I know like it, it wasn't bad at all um they have winnable games on the schedule they play at Duke on September 25th and they Duke host so Texas bad. Tech I know and they host Texas Tech on October 16th I think they can win one of those games
1: I really feel good about it I don't know if I feel good about three I think so one and a half was the game right one, one and a one and a half yeah yeah, the yeah. like runner? the
0: goal the, the, the goal was to win two
1: I'm feeling dude, I'm feeling good about that. They're gonna they're gonna get one of those. Bean is slippery, man, and I was a little worried because you know Kyle Vantries at Buffalo is a statue. Literally, Kyle Vantries did not scramble one time last year. And so Bean, you know, Bean's Bean's a good rusher. I, I was interested to see what he's gonna do. Against Coastal Carolina, man, five attempts, 107 yards, 6.89 yards after contact. Like the dude can run. And they're not only relying on that, but that's just a nice thing to have kind of in in their back pocket uh, overall. So, again, uh, Bean isn't, like, amazing, but he's throwing the ball around, and he's he's slippery enough that he can move and kind of go. And I I like that they were ambitious against Coastal Carolina. Grant, Bean's average step of the target against uh, South Dakota State was – I totally. I just refresh my. It's okay, game. and this is.
0: Hold on. This is my opportunity to finally be a merciless pedant to you. South Dakota, not South Dakota State.
1: South Dakota, State, son of a bitch. Because God. South
0: Dakota State would have. South Dakota State would have won that game. So we're talking South
1: Jackham. Jackham rabbits. We shouldn't say that. Don't. Uh, nobody else.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Uh, uh, is death of I'll target allow it. Go against ahead. South
1: Dakota was seven point three. And his depth of target against Coastal Carolina was 13.2. Granted, his completion percentage fell, but but Lance Lance was like, look, man, we're not going to go out here and try and dink and dunk our way around these guys. We're not going to be sissies. We're going to throw the damn ball around, and we're going to try and make something happen. So, like, I, I respect the hell out of that. I think that Kansas has kind of had, like, a resigned indifference since before Les Miles, but even during the Les Miles yeah. here. And Leipold is like, no, man, we're playing football. So they're not good. They're not talented. But I think they're fun. I'm really interested to see what happens against Baylor because I don't know if that's – I don't want to jump ahead. But, uh, you know, they're playing a conference game this weekend, and they looked good against Coastal Carolina. Maybe Coastal Carolina is a top 15 team. What can they do against kind of like a middle-of-the-pack Big 12 team? I'm interested in that.
0: I am too. Um, we can naturally transition from this to Baylor if you want. Uh I, I think their goals this year were make a bowl, be as stingy as you're promised to be on defense, and establish a quarterback. Uh I don't know, man. They they beat the hell out of team that escaped me this last weekend, but uh I, I think the jury still works.
1: Texas out. Southern. Yeah.
0: Texas Southern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, But I I think the jury might still be out on Baylor.
1: Maybe. Although I say, like, Bohannon has been slinging it. And I respect that. He completed 73.9% of his passes against Texas Southern for an A dot average depth of target, of 11.7. Again, good teams play well against bad teams, right? And we talked about in our preview, Baylor obviously has the defense. They have the skill talent. Do they have the quarterback? I don't know that Bohannon's the quarterback, but in the first two games, he hasn't decisively shown us that he's not, which I think is a huge win for Jeff Grimes.
0: Yeah, I agree. Baylor's, and there are a couple teams like this that we'll get to, to where they have one game where they just beat the hell out of FCS Team X and then struggled, not even say struggled, but but didn't decisively beat a G5 team. Right, so they beat Texas State 29-20, first game of the year, and then beat Texas Southern 66-7. to So your mileage may vary as to what any of those mean, but, I, I mean, hell, Oklahoma, we'll get to them. I mean, they struggled with Tulane before beating the hell out of Western Carolina. So it, it, it's just, all I'm saying is that I don't think we have a definite answer on Baylor at this point.
1: Right, right. I'm interested in the Kansas game because I think that will tell me if, I'm, if I move from agnostic to intrigued about Jerry Bohonan. Um, one thing I will note about Baylor, uh, 46 targets on the season. 18 of those have gone to Tyquan Thornton. I like that they have a guy I like that they're going to. It very much could be the case that they have played teams with very bad secondaries, and Bohannon has been able to find a, a pretty good receiver. And, and when they have to play a team that doesn't have you know obvious holes in the secondary that they might not be able to rely on that first option and then things get really, really dicey. If you look at like yards per reception, uh guys that have more than, you know, more than four targets, like Ebner, 17.5, he's kind of doing his his squirrely thing. But like Sneed 16.5, Thornton, 14.8. Like they they really are just if they could get it to all of those guys and they could spread and keep up these yards per reception numbers, I would think their offense is multiple and awesome. I'm inclined to believe right now that they've just relied on Thornton until teams have made an adjustment and then they've gone to the other guys. And so if you kind of get into a game against a defense, that's not going to be so obviously incompetent. What's going to happen? Kansas is not going to be obviously competent. So I think that's, I I don't know if I get the answer to that, but I, I still want to see what Bohannon can do against this team.
0: Right. And I think that's something like, for example, Parker, I used to, at one of the jobs that I've held, I had a schedule down to where I could do all my work probably in about a four-hour span throughout the entire work week. And then the other 36 hours, I pretty much had nothing to do. So I could play sp- quizzes on Sporkle, cool, things of that nature. With Baylor, it's like, hey, like we okay, we, we know we can get the ball to Thornton, to Ebner, all these guys, and that's great. We know that that'll work against really crappy teams. So when you start off against Texas State, no offense to the Bobcats, Texas Southern, Bobby and Cats? then Kansas this week— yeah, exactly. Uh, and then you have Kansas this week where you're just able to do the same thing. It's easy to kind of fall into these, I don't want to call them lazy, but these sort of rhythms to where you know something will work and you don't have to try to do anything else. The problem is that they play Iowa State the week after Baylor. And Iowa State just got beat by Iowa, but they are a very good defense. And if Baylor does fall into the trap of, well, we can just throw it to Thornton and Ebner or whatever, that's not going to work against the Cyclones they're going to learn they're going to learn they're going to learn real quick I do agree that the Kansas game will tell us a lot because if they take care of business and beat the hell out of Kansas we'll know they're a competent team
1: again I'll move into I'm intrigued yep
0: I'm intrigued we'll call it there um Texas Tech I I was trying to crystallize their goals into one sentence um I think what I wound up with was just uh, for Matt Wells was save his job. Yeah, and yeah, yeah they get fired. Right, and they have. I mean, they beat Houston, which good win, right? Beat Dana, uh, but then they mightily struggled against Stephen F. Austin, and what was very much a hey, please look at what Texas is doing, please don't look at what we're doing type of game. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tyler Shuck has been. Okay, he hasn't really faced strong opposition. Um, but but I, I don't think that they're where they... I mean, 2-0 is great, and Wells, I'm sure, will take that. But I I hate to sound like a broken record. I'm not sold on Texas Tech.
1: No, I think this is a, a good um, reminder that, that a football team involves a lot of moving parts. Uh, Tyler Shuck against... Stephen F. Austin, you know, 174 yards, 12 for 22. But one of those was a 75-yard pass to Eric Izukama that was like, you're playing in an FCS team. Like, that was oh, Hold
0: on, a- wait. Sorry, no, no, no. This is news to me, and I probably shouldn't admit this. He only threw 22 passes against SFA.
1: And still the narrative was Sonny Cumbie should hand the ball off more, which... Um-
0: <laughs> well, can I say something right there? I am so excited to watch Texas Tech fans experience the Sonny Cumbie offense. Yeah. It, it it it's going to thrill me. Yeah. So Texas
1: Tech is two <laughs> and zero. The bad man is
0: gone. He can't hurt us anymore.
1: <laughs> they're gonna play FIU, and that that's probably gonna be a good a get right game. But they're going to Texas on nine twenty five, man. I just don't I just don't know. I think I think they could very easily go 3 and 0 and then be looking at like 3 and 3 going to play Kansas with still Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Kansas State, Baylor on the schedule. I don't know if a bowl is happening, man. No, I don't know. They, I don't know what beating Houston looks like.
0: Beating Houston like if you told me before the season Tech beat Houston, I'm like great. Like that is a good step for Texas. Uh I'm I'm still not sold. Kansas might be their only Big 12 win, and we just talked about how Kansas, like, that might be also their only Big 12 win.
1: That game's definitely up
0: for grabs. That is going to be, like, sicko game of the week, is Tech-Kansas vying for one win in the conference.
1: If I'm a Big 12 athletic director, that's not where I want my program to be.
0: No. I mean, because you look at their schedule. I mean, like you said, after FIU, which should be a win, at Texas, at West Virginia... Home for TCU at Kansas. Then you host K-State at, at Oklahoma. Home for Iowa State. Home for Oklahoma State at Baylor. Man, not a lot of wins. No. Not not a lot, a lot of toss-ups. Games.
1: Not a lot of games that I think you can win. Um, Shuck has a 743 passing grade, which is whatever that's worth. He's only completing sixty three percent of his passes. And Grant, his A dot is the lowest of eight point six. So Brock Purdy and Rattler have lower A dots. Um and that's just because against Tulane they were like, we have athletes, let's just get the ball out quickly. So like he's not throwing the ball down the field and he's not connecting well. So um yeah, I think that it would be really nice if a magical quarterback just fell into your lap and it turns out he could have started at Oregon, but he wanted to come to Texas Tech instead. And uh, let me tell you, most people don't go to Lubbock if they have other options. Um, and so I was, here we are.
0: I think we found out that Oregon had at least two quarterbacks that are better than Tyler Shuck based on yeah. what happened last week at Ohio State. Uh, Parker, I don't, like jo- I don't like joking about people's jobs, but... Caught right now. Does Matt Wells coach in Lubbock next year?
1: Get ready to be really annoyed by 2022 head coach Jeff Trailer.
0: Oh, God. Okay, I, I'm in on that timeline. Uh, full, full vote behind that. Uh, I had Kansas State next. I had challenge for top three in the conference. Uh, Skylar Thompson's injury pretty much nukes that.
1: Did okay. you see the photo of Chris Kleiman on the sideline? No, I did not. Oh my gosh. Okay. I won't send it to you. It like kept me up at night. He was like on his knees, man. Oh, dude, it's so sad. The good news is that Thompson will come back. Yeah. Um. And so Th- Thompson has been pretty good, man. Thompson is second behind Rattler in adjusted completion percentage at 82.4. And so, I mean, the dude is... He's doing well, um, or was doing well. 13.3 yards per attempt, I think, leads to the Big 12. And, and so, again, he was hurt, and, and they looked bad. But, like, they looked good against a Stanford team that just went out and walloped USC. I think that that's a really good win. The question for Kansas now becomes not can we compete for the top three right now, but can we figure out creative enough ways to get the ball to Deuce Vaughn, Jabaston Taylor, and Malik Knowles, without just completely falling flat on our faces over the next couple games.
0: Yeah. um, First off, I should say, and I should say this every time, Sebastian Taylor is an awesome name. Very good name. I'm worried
1: about the Nevada game. I'm worried about the Nevada
0: game. See, that's where I was going. Because, so, you you start the season, you beat Stanford 24-7, good win. Stanford just beat USC. That might say a lot more about USC than it does Stanford, but whatever. Uh, Take care of business against Southern Illinois despite your quarterback going out. Nevada beat Cal. Cal gave TCU a run. That might say more about TCU than it does Cal and Nevada, but whatever. Um, the problem is that their start to Big Twelve play isn't ideal. So it'd be it real. Is, I mean,
1: you would like to have Skyler Thompson for these games,
0: yes? Right, because you have Nevada, who is a is a, a a good, I would say, G five team. Not a great one, but a good one. Then you go at Oklahoma State. Home for Oklahoma, home for Iowa State. Yikes. It's real easy to go 3-0 and then
1: 3-3. Or even 2-4. and four. But then yeah, they, could easily, they could easily run the table if Skyler Thompson comes back after Iowa State.
0: Yeah, because it's at Tech, home for TCU, at Kansas, home for West Virginia, home for Baylor, at Texas. you You could run the table and go, what would that be? Nine. Uh, That's nine
1: wins. That's nine nine. and three.
0: Yeah. Nine and three, or eight and four, if if you lose to Nevada. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't think they'll be top three in the conference, but I I think there is a chance, if Thompson comes back, is healthy, and they take care of business, that there will be signs of progress in Manhattan.
1: Absolutely, and and it's weird because they're going to transition away. This is Skylar Thompson's last year, presumably, um, and they're going to bring in Rocky's nephew, but like, Kleiman clearly has a vision, and Will Howard is not a part of that vision. So like, if he can get a guy at quarterback he likes, I think that they're going to be good for years to come. They're just rough injury luck here because it would have been really nice for them to flirt with 10 wins. And I think that Nevada game is kind of the deciding line between are you flirting with 10 or are you flirting with 9? And so it, it would have been really nice for them to be able to do that. But I do think that if Skyler Thompson can come back in a reasonable time, they they, they still have the tools to compete.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, West Virginia, I I, I struggle to find a clear goal because I think that program is in such a weird spot. Um, the, the people from West Virginia that I know aren't aren't in a happy place right now. I would say, and, and so I think my goal was just to be better. Um, who could tell? Kind of ass first week. They they won last week. That's great, but but I I, I don't really necessarily see any signs of progress i know you are high on them and have sort of walked back that take over the last couple of weeks
1: look man i, I i'm not going to learn to love again um yeah i think that they just they just don't have the offensive line that they want right now and um again i think that there were there were signs that daigie could be good and i think that they have just really not been able to run an offense that's <clears throat> excuse me that's competent I think this is a really bad offense. Um, and so I think that they're really excited about green. And so I think this year becomes a gap year. If you can just build up the offensive line, keep the defense kind of rolling and just make sure you don't get embarrassed. And and it's not like Dagey's making awful, awful plays. He's just not making great plays. Uh, I think you get a nice little gap year where you can flirt with a bowl and then in twenty twenty two, kind of say, all right, we've got our young guy in. We're gonna we're gonna actually, you know, play uh, compete here. But yeah, I, I think that their goal just becomes don't have any major injuries and try and get a little bit better every every week.
0: Yeah, Diggs uh, for the record, his completion percentage fifty nine point four percent. Average depth of target eleven point one yards. Seven point three percent of his passes have been dropped, which seems high. I don't have the standard number off the top of my head, but. Um, but yeah, that was a problem last
1: year too, right? Is like, it was. Hey, surely the West Virginia drops have to get better. And guess what? They don't.
0: I don't know. Right. And so, uh, I have a former coworker, uh, David Statman, who I worked with, uh, diehards and we're in the group text together. And he, he was like, yeah, like we said last year, drops are an issue. Turns out you can't coach that away. Uh, receivers just can't catch
1: so well, you can, but they did a bad job. Yeah. yeah, right.
0: What are the two? Either way, the problem is still uh, exists.
1: I think, I think the goal for West Virginia becomes beat Kansas and Texas Tech and Baylor, and it's be like, yeah. dude, we're bad, but
0: we're not that. I, I think that's, that's, that's exactly West right. Motto. We're bad, but we're not that bad. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Oklahoma State. I think in. Mike Gundy's mind, which is truly a place I I can't fathom. Uh, I don't want to go He believed (laughs) – no, I don't either. Uh, He believed they could challenge for a spot in the Big 12 championship game. COVID issues have been tough. I know they've had guys out. They've had injury issues, whatever. I don't think they're capable of that.
1: Yeah, and like so Sanders didn't practice – the first week, and so, that you know, when he came back, he still kind of looked bad. But th- that offensive line, I think there was a vision there that that was predicated on, you know, some unlikely things happening. Uh, I, I just don't think it's there, and I think with the the, the turnover, they're probably going to fire Casey Dunn, man. Um, yeah, they are. The offensive coordinator, and I think that's a little bit kind of the, the worst kind of situation where Gundy won't give up control 100% but then we'll still blame someone 100% for it's it's not a great situation and I don't think Casey Dunn's a bad OC but especially losing we knew they were going to lose kind of the the edge talent advantage that they had at wide receiver position we knew that was gone we knew that that was basically wiped out so you kind of say all right you've got a quarterback you've got um a defense that, that's pretty respectable but you basically lose all your skill players around him, and you have to kind of patch uh, an offensive line. Um, I think that just becomes too much for them. So I, I don't really know what their goals are, besides at least do what they want to do by the end of the season, because all their offensive linemen can come back. And so saying like, let's just be Oklahoma State before the end of the season.
0: Do you know off the top of your head? And I'm trying to look this up now, which is bad podcasting. Uh, do they have a quarterback in the hopper after Sanders?
1: Uh, it's not Shane Ellingworth. Let me tell you that.
0: Oh, no, it sure isn't. Um, I- I'm looking up their I'm looking up the recruiting.
1: I could vamp for a second while you do that. Um, yeah, Brendan that's Presley great. has been has been uh, a little rough, man. Only 53% uh, reception on on 15 targets, and. You know, Bry- Bryson Green and, and Tay Martin have both been involved with 11 targets each. But again, there, there isn't really this clear hierarchy there. Um, it's never good to have to come back against, you know, bad, bad opponents. But I do think that Oklahoma State, it, the, you know, they are 2-0. and They're going to go to Boise in a game that they're, they're going to have a talent advantage on aggregate. But are they going to have a talent advantage in the right spots? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I, I think their schedule lines up nicely because they could go, you know, steal steal a game against Boise State in an ugly fashion, get Kansas State while they have uh, Thompson out, and then you get Baylor right after Baylor plays Iowa State, and so you could you know you could look at five and zero as feasible and say, man, we're bad, but we're five and zero, and then you can kind of figure out what's going to happen the rest of the season. I just don't know. Yeah, I just don't know where. It's not like they're bad at the, the wide receiver position, but they just have so many offensive line issues that I don't know that these young guys are going to be able to step up in a way that's going to make it where they can kind of compete.
0: I found the funniest answer. It's Gunnar Gundy. So, there you go. No, uh, it's not Gunnar Gundy. <laughs> I want it to be. Also, 24-7 yes. uh, kicked me out because I don't have a subscription. Anyway, point is, no, I, I totally agree with you. I, I, I think... This opinion is well. Anyway, I'm just going to give this opinion. I think Oklahoma State is like an eight and four team for the next until Gundy retires. Or yeah, but
1: Grant, they've been an eight and four team plus or minus a win. I know,
0: I know. I, I, That's I don't what they see are. them. I know. I don't see them elevating that, that that ceiling. And I think there have been times where the talent is there where they should. I think at times Gundy has gotten more out of a roster than he should. But I think on the balance, they're always going to be, always is an absolute, I shouldn't say that, but they're going to be 8-4 plus or minus one win in perpetuity until something major changes.
1: I will say, Jim Knowles as the defensive coordinator has been really, really good for them. And so, Gundy has been able to string together some awesome offenses. If they are in a rough patch and if they kind of have a quarterback and some guys who are going to mature and they can figure out the offensive line and the defensive quality under Jim Knowles is not a fluke, maybe in 2 to 3 years they'll they'll you know kind of be competing again realistically so i, I again i'm not like out
0: on gundy but it is
1: it is it's, it's a dry time
0: they dismissed tuba hubbard so much
1: um i hate you
0: texas i had lol here uh i i had their goal would be to come out storming and uh and and send a message and then they did that so They've already made a quarterback change. Um, Boy. I will say this before we launch into it. I I don't think Texas is in a death spiral. I still think Steve Sarkeesian was a good hire. I think it's going to work out well for Texas. Um, I just think they have a lot of figuring out to do before they compete.
1: Yeah, the good news is Arkansas is in a Big 12 team, and Texas can still compete. Um. I honestly think that okay, good for them. The Tex the Texas Tech game is at home at eleven AM. Yeah. I honestly think Texas needs to get in a fight in the Texas Tech game.
0: Hell, fight rice, for all I care.
1: Yeah, that that's gonna be a little embarrassing. Like I, I I'm there with the, the same the same <laughs> thing that'll happen. But it's at least a little more respectable against Texas Tech. I think Texas needs to get in a fight.
0: No, I, I totally agree. Totally agree. It's
1: kind be- of this is, this is who Texas is, but it's kind of like the rich kid who's never been punched in the face. Have you, have you ever been punched in the face, Grant? Uh, Once, yes. Yep. Well, I know what we're doing the next time I see you. That's great. It's a very humbling experience. And I think that, you know, I'm not advocating violence, but I'm just saying that's part of growing up. And, and I think Texas needs to struggle against Texas Tech, have a late flag penalty, have a little bit of a brawl. Let's clear the benches. Let's get some people thrown out. And then... Top off sixty points against a bad Texas Tech team, and then start rolling. Like that's my goal. If I'm Steve, I, obviously, if I'm Steve Sarkeesian, I can't tell my players to fight, but I just want to see someone be like, "Dude, yes, we lost a stupid game, but we're freaking the University of Texas, and we're we're not just gonna we're not just gonna say ah, it's another bad season. We'll get them next year. Like we're gonna salvage this, and I think that a fight is is the way that they salvage this."
0: I agree. Um, in the interest of time, because I know we have something to do, I'm going to move us along, but uh, yes, completely agree. Uh, I don't want me to talk about fighting and football anymore. No, okay. no. I, I. Do you know how much I love football fights? No, that's not That's not. The, the time I got punched in the mouth was during a backyard football game. Uh, nice. Still one of my best friends to this day. Uh, TCU, I had show proof of concept and take care of business. Well... They're 2 and 0. So we have that going for us. Uh, Parker has his head in his hands. It hasn't moved in 15 seconds, but um, we can move on if you like.
1: Yeah, I just don't, I don't have anything else
0: to say about that. Okay. That's right. We're going to talk a lot about TCU in this podcast. Let's go to Iowa State. Iowa State I had This is the year. The the comment I had on it was, is it? Uh, I mean,
1: also, uh, good news for Iowa State. Iowa doesn't play in the Big 12. Iowa State no, is still 0-0 zero zero in the Big 12.
0: they've looked like ass against they Iowa They have.
1: State. They have. Bad Brock Purdy has been here. And I don't know it, what happened. What, last year, my theory was that Brock Purdy had touched the football uh, like in Space Jam. And his powers had gotten sucked away. And and that doesn't seem to be changing this year. I think that they are very talented. Their defense is obviously, well, Iowa's offense is bad. So their their defense is, is fine. And Will McDonald, for instance, is like really, really disruptive. Iowa State needs to go beat the shit out of UNLV.
0: Yeah, like pound them into submission.
1: Look, like best news in the world for Iowa State. UNLV, Baylor, Kansas, Kansas State. Go murder them. You can. Yep. You absolutely can. Take care of business, kick them while they're down, and and no one will remember the start to your season. That Iowa loss is going to be one of the best losses in the yep. in the nation.
0: Parker, uh, I I have a trivia question for you. Yes. There there was a NFL quarterback who was the starting quarterback at UNLV while a future sports center anchor was the third string. Can you name both?
1: Sage Rosenfeld Nope. What was the... I, I missed the question. I'm sorry. I, I was,
0: okay. UNLV I, I didn't the f- logic of it. All right. UNLV quarterback. Oh, okay. The death chart. Number one was a future NFL quarterback. Number two was I don't know who. Number three was a future sports center anchor. Can you name one and three?
1: No, I, I literally have no idea who's a quarterback at UNLV. Randall Cunningham. Wow. And Kenny Mayne. Who knew? Dude, that's weird. To be a fan yeah, on the wall. Yeah, about that? Yeah. Kenny Mayne's a uh-huh. weird guy. Kenny Maine used to, like, get in the kayak outside the Giants stadium and all... do Like, Kenny Maine used to be Marty McGee. You know Marty McGee? Marty McGee commits to the bit. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Kenny
1: Maine invented kidding committing to the bit, dude.
0: <laughs> that guy was all about the bit. I love Kenny Mayne.
1: Um, uh, Brock Purdy, 6.4 yards per attempt, completing only 64% of his passes. If we look at turnover-worthy plays... Um, it's not bad, right? He's not like throwing, oh, these should have been interceptions. Only 1.6%, but he only has, you know, two quality throws. Like, it's just not, he's just not doing
0: well. No, but I, I, I do think this is like the floor. And I think it's kind of... Another fun up.
1: fact. Yeah. Uh, Iowa State leads the league, the conference, in pressures allowed. Uh, 26 defensive pressures against Brock Purdy, that offensive line, which a lot of people were citing as a strength because of their experience, has been put on notice the first two games.
0: And I will say it by a lot of people. I mean me. So yeah. That, no, yeah. Got, yeah. Yeah. No, that is that is worrisome if you're uh, an Iowa State fan. Um, okay, Oklahoma. Last one. Uh, I had be dominant. Just go out there and win every damn game you play. They're two and zero.
1: Drops. Drop seventy on Nebraska.
0: Yeah, and drop seventy on Nebraska. Right. Uh, struggled against Tulane, and then just beat the ever-loving crap out of Western Carolina, which they should have. I'm not worried about Oklahoma. I think they're still on pace.
1: I agree. I do think it's 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 nice for them that they get Nebraska and West Virginia, and they get both of those at home before they go to Manhattan against a team that they haven't beaten. Um, and then they have Texas right after. Like, Realistically, that Kansas State-Texas back-to-back is pretty rough. Yeah. And so— Again, I just want to get some positive mojo going. I think they're fine. I, I think they've had guys in and out, and and, and they're going to be okay. The the two lane game, you watch the defense, and just like Perion Winfrey was just not that excited about the game. And look, he should have been. That's a that's a fault. That's not excusing it. But I'm not making like long, deep seated inferences about Oklahoma because of the Hurricane game.
0: No, me neither. Um, okay, that concludes our run-through of goals for the B 12. Parker, I understand you have some Q&A for us.
1: Yeah, let's do some Q&A. It's kind of all over the place, so I'm going to pull some of these out. Well, you sound um, really
0: excited for this Q&A. Hey, give that another try. Uh,
1: no. Not doing it. <laughs> um, I just had had a bunch of people like kind of at at different points ask me questions. And so I've just kind of aggregated those and said like, okay, let's, let's just talk about these. So some of these are TCU specific. Some of these are sports stats specific. And so some of this might be a monologue. Some of this might involve grant. We'll start with a TCU one, uh, Donnie down under, it's a great name. I don't know what that means. Asks. Do you think Kari Coleman being in the lineup will help, TCU keep the QB contained and fix the problems we had against Garbers and potential problems against QB scrambles. Um, yes, I think that uh, Dylan Horton is not he's not, it's not that he's bad but like Dylan Horton is Dylan Horton. Uh, Kari Coleman was like all conference last year. I think that a lot of what we heard about Dylan Horton this offseason was to mask the fact that Kari Coleman was hurt uh, a lot worse than than we thought. It would be nice to get him back but TCU my opinion, Grant, is that TCU needs the interior defensive line to be more disruptive, and the edge will figure itself out.
0: Yeah, I mean, the problem with Dylan Horton is that he's not Kari Coleman. I mean, that's the best way to phrase it. Um, yeah. And, and I think, too, like you said, the question was never whether the edge rushers could produce. I mean, between Coleman and Mathis, you have one of the best pass rushing duos in the conference. Um, the defensive linemen on the inside haven't been what we expected between— They've had some dumb penalties. They, they haven't been as effective as you would have liked for a group that is that's kind of experienced. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm not worried about the edge-rushing duos. I still think they can be more disruptive um, with Coleman back. Inside pressure would be nice, but but I think having Coleman back in a lineup, which I've been told will happen in the next couple weeks, uh, will w- you, there, there will be a noticeable difference, I would say.
1: Yeah, and and it's not like Garber's—I mean, Garber's had one pretty substantial run that was pretty annoying. It's not like he carved TCU up or anything. And, you know, quarterbacks rushing is kind of an artifact of the the 4-2-5 defense that Gary Patterson runs. So, um,
0: Uh, uh, Well, that's the thing, too, is that I don't think the spy's been—I don't think they had a spy on Garber's. I think when you get to the Big 12 and you have, like, rushing quarterbacks, they'll spy on more.
1: That's a hell of a segue because Donnie Down Under's second question was, Hodge or Harris and Why? And my answer is, whichever one of them can go out there and not be looking around for the play call when the ball is snapped.
0: Correct. Um, if you had to put a gun to my head, I would say, I don't know why I'm not sold on Jamon Hodge. I, he's done nothing wrong to me personally. I don't know. Uh, Harris would be my, my pick, but, but, but I, I, I guess I don't have a, a fact to base that on.
1: And, and this is kind of unfair because Harris has played more, and so I have more data on him. But like, sure. I think that Harris has looked like a fool, and it's kind of weird that Hodge is getting all this flack about like he doesn't know the playbook. When Harris is out there like with his arms out looking around, and the ball is snapped, they're like, what, go watch the Cal game. There's like four or five times D Winters gets up, and he's like, what the hell, dude? So I, right, I, I right. think that that second linebacker position is a bigger hole than we anticipated because for whatever reason, they don't know what they're doing.
0: Right, and that this is where it would have been really nice if we, I say we, because I played defense for TCU. If TCU would have had like another safety to play in place of Vachicic Van Zandt, and he could have played that second linebacker spot, it would have been really sick. But unfortunately, Van is playing that that third safety role. Um, I still think there's a lot of yeah. There's I don't know.
1: I'm not in charge. No one asked me.
0: No one asked you. But yeah there are a lot of things we can say. I, I, I think either one would have to show serious improvement for either one of us or, or, or solid on that second linebacker spot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alex Fiesel asked an interesting question on monologue about this one, Grant. He just says, you know, what, what, what are you, what's your advice for what are the best resources to get into the field of like sports analytics for a hobby or career wise? Uh, I'm, I'm a part-time guy, right? Like I have a real, I do other stuff. Um, the volume of my tweets suggests that perhaps I don't, but I do, I, I have another career. Um, and so I, I think that you know you can very easily, if you like sports and you like football, you can easily learn a programming language. You can easily do some data stuff. You can go to collegefootballdata.com and get stats, start a sub stack, start a blog, start tweeting, just put stuff out there, start learning, start reading smart people. Like I, I get this question all the time of like, Hey, what you know, what do you think about this analytics project? Like, I don't care. Do it. Do it and see. Like, I don't care. Like, ask and answer interesting questions. There is no barrier anymore to getting involved in this stuff. Um, so yeah. Learn a programming uh, language, uh, start a newsletter.
0: I'm very sorry. My uh my Alexa just kicked on. I apologize for all of our listeners. What up, girl? Uh, my bad. Yes, do what Parker said. I don't have any analytics background. Um, um, so do just that.
1: Don't DM me and ask, "Hey, can I start doing this project?" Just do it. I don't care. Uh, I mean, I yeah, do care. Uh, I
0: want you to do it. Well, can I say that too? And this is me coming in from like uh, I used to be a journalist, but the answer is like just do things. Whether you get paid for them or not, ideally get paid for them. Like if if you had the chance, do it for money. But the yeah. more you write, or the more you do numbers, or the more you do whatever. The better you will be at it, and the more stuff you'll have in your portfolio. If eventually you want to get paid for it, like just do it. Yeah. Um, like it, it, it's real simple. Reps matter more than anything else. Like you don't have to have a journalism degree to be a good sports writer. You don't have to have a economics or mathematics degree to be whatever the hell Parker does in his spare time. Uh, just do it. Yeah. and then go, hope go, something go comes later. Write the later. shitty
1: first draft. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, do you know
0: how much crap I've written in my life? A ton of crap. A lot. Like, an amazing amount of crap that we'll never see to lie day. But I wrote it, and then I didn't show it to anybody, and then I only showed it when it got better. So Yeah.
1: Just just start doing stuff, man. That's my advice. Uh, James Grass says, uh, two games into the season, would you readjust your projection for TCU's win total?
0: <sighs> what did I have to you? I had it like nine or ten this year, I think. Um, I think I well, had no,
1: over no. over eight and a half was my... Yeah. Oh, gosh. We talked ourselves... My screen just fell down. My yeah, I did. Ooh. That was
0: very funny. We talked ourselves into 11 wins by the end of our TCU preview podcast, which... We
1: it could happen.
0: No, so I talked... Okay. Listen to
1: our podcast <laughs> and do what we said. They would win 11 games.
0: I'll rephrase. I talked myself into 11 wins by the end of our TCU podcast. Um, no, if, if, if what we're saying is that we set the bar at over eight and a half, I still think TCU can get there. Um I, I might edge it down to eight wins exactly. Um but but I, I think nine wins is totally reachable still. I, I honestly do.
1: Yeah, I think I think there's six games they absolutely should win on their schedule and then there's they'll they'll get a stupid one, I think.
0: Yeah, because the problem hopefully
1: is- I mean they just won't dig themselves a big enough hole. Like they're good enough that if they don't dig a dig a hole at the beginning, they're gonna be
0: fine. Yeah, exactly. So no, I I Most I of
1: my most of our consternation is like this TCU team is talented enough to be like in the conversation for the playoff. More so than more so than UNC, for instance, like UNC has a better quarterback. I think TCU has better everywhere else than UNC. And so it's ridiculous that TCU can't be in the conversation for the net, for the playoff right now. Like they, they should be. That's, that's where most of my consternation with the offense is like, yes, you can dick around and beat Cal by two. Congrats. You're not going to beat Oklahoma. If
0: you do that. Parker, I assume you're familiar with John Rawls, are you? Heard of him. He has a uh, – okay, we, we had to learn about this in political science. Uh, he's a, he has a, a – a, a, I wouldn't call it a theory, but, but sort of a condition for making a decision, right, called the veil of ignorance. Where you, you you have a veil. You don't know any of the specifics. You just have information, but you don't know, like, particulars, right? You have, like, okay, like, these conditions, these – whatever it, it, applying it to football, be you have this talent, you have this schedule, you have whatever. Let's say the team is two and zero, and you know that should they be in the conversation for the playoff. Knowing only that TCU is two and zero, they have the talent that they have on the roster, and they have the schedule that they have coming up. Yes, TCU should be in the conversation for yep. the playoff. You remove that That's veil, and all of a sudden it's like, well, there are a lot of conditions that we didn't know. But with that veil, yeah, the talent is there. I agree.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So no, not really. I don't readjust my win probability. Um, Steve. Oh, this is good. We can both answer this. Steve Merrick uh, says, hello from Big Ten Country. Uh, I saw your post about stats. Which which stat do you think tells the story the most with an offense and a defense? So Grant, one stat for offense, one stat for defense. What do you like?
0: Well, you're going to hate my answer for defense. Did oh. You
1: say yards for play? So help me God.
0: No, I'm going to go more caveman than that. Uh, I'm going to save points per game.
1: It's not crazy. It's not the worst. Like, in terms of defense, I would like to adjust it for drives, but it's not the worst.
0: I I would say just because, listen, I I think you and I both sort of overvalue offense on this podcast because I think it's easier for us to understand and it's easier to look. And that's why we brought in so many defensive experts onto the podcast because they know more about it than we do. Right, so with sure. Cody Alexander, Cameron Sore, and all those guys, like they know more about uh, 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 Coach Vass, all that they know more about that than we do. Um, so I, I take a very caveman look at defense, but for me, it's hey, like, are you limiting your opponent's ability to score? Now, again, probably points per drive, or there's a better better way to look at it. But the first stat I always look at with the defense is how many points are you allowing? Uh, I like that. On offense, yeah. yeah, on offense, I. <laughs> There are a lot. Parker's introduced me to a whole new world of stats that I, I didn't necessarily know uh existed, but but I, I do like uh EPA per play would be my answer.
1: Yeah, I think um right, like you 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 basically football is explosiveness and efficiency. Like are you creating opportunity or you're creating are you taking advantage of opportunities? So for defense, I, I, I like the idea of points per play. I think I like on defense kind of like the 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 echo rate the quality possession rate and just saying like how often are you letting the deep letting letting the offense get into a scoring opportunity um because you know if they finish or not that's a different conversation but if a team gets across their 40 consistently even if they're you know not doing great at finishing that you you have a problem so i like that one a lot i think on offense if i had to pick one stat i'm actually more concerned grant with like third down avoidance So I would look at early down success rate, like first and second and saying, how often are you keeping yourself away from like a negative game script? How often are you moving series along? So you're not in this obvious, like third and 10 position, third and eight position where, you know, the defense could pin their ears back. I think that's almost the most important thing in college football is, is succeeding on early down so that you avoid these kind of trap situations on third down where the defense knows what's happening.
0: Uh yeah, I think that's fair. I, I would say my second one would probably be rush yards per game because, as we know, when TCU has over 200 rushing yards per game, they're like you know, 150 and 8 under Gary or whatever the stat is. You're fired.
1: Um, I just <laughs> You're don't not my why editor. Just keep doing that. Like, does, <laughs> just like, you know, like the bat signal. So it's like Commissioner Gordon goes on the roof and he flips on a thing and the thing comes up. It's like, does Gary go on the roof and flip up a light and Mark Cohen's like, We've got to tweet the rushing
0: <laughs> To be Just fair, they don't tweet it. It's it, it's in the post game packet. It's not tweeted, but fine, whatever.
1: Gosh. Um, okay, let me pull up a couple other. Um, uh, Keegan Renault asks if Max Duggan gets twenty carries a game. Why does TCU go twelve and zero? Um,
0: yeah. okay. They were twenty.
1: They're almost nine carries, maybe.
0: Maybe, but here's the thing, it, like this has sort of been what we have talked about, just in a different phrasing, but if TCU designs an offense to play to Max's strength, which includes running the ball, and they don't just run like QB power very obviously, and just expect Max to try to break through tackles to get the first down, which he does because he's good at it, Like there is a world where Max hits 20 carries a game and it is a benefit to the TCU offense.
1: QB power is a very generous term for the snap the ball to Max and have him
0: run to the right. Off the right, 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 right. It, yes, I understand, but uh, I think
1: that implies but, an entire level of forethought and design that it doesn't. It, exist. it,
0: it understands um, power <laughs> up front, which may not exist, but whatever. Yeah, let's get weird for a second.
1: Okay, Chase Bryce was the quarterback at Duke last year, and he was awful. Yeah, he's a quarterback at App State right now, and they're kind of feisty because Sean mm-hmm. Clark is running this like pistol, whatever. And I'm kind of like, man, that maybe that's like the future. If you can just, it doesn't matter how good your quarterback is past a certain threshold, right? But it's like, can you design an offense around the quarterback that you have? So there's two problems, right? Getting a quarterback and then designing an offense for him. I think that in the modern college football, getting a quarterback, so many people are going to fail at that because elite quarterback talent is so condensed. There are, how many elite quarterbacks are there in the in the college football right now?
0: Three? Yeah, I was going to say five top end. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and so I, I think it's I think it's going to be... I mean, Carson Strong at Nevada, he's going to get drafted in the first or second round. Dude, he runs the air raid. Like, he's going to get killed in the NFL. I mean, there'll, yeah. there'll be some adjustment. Like, he might succeed, but I'm saying he's not just automatically going to go be great in the NFL. He's running the, running the air raid at a Mountain West Conference. So I think that Chase Bryce at, at App State is kind of this example of, like, if you could just get a guy who can run what you want to run, that is going to be a huge advantage over ninety-five percent of college football teams.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And, and again, I, I just there is a world where TC runs this weird pistol, or, or even bring back the of ear. I don't care, but but some sort of you know QB run design uh, offense where all of this works. The problem is that they're stuck it's in this clever. Yeah, it, right. The problem is that they're in this half-ass no-man's land. And, Parker, I'll allow you to say the sentence that we've said on this podcast a thousand times. But In the words of Ron had...
1: Swanson, don't half-ass yes. one thing, whole or two things, whole-ass one thing. That's all I Thank want. You. Figure out what you want and do it. Quit running this freaking orbit motion, pitch whatever one time, run, like run something. Set a, set a progression and run it. Quit pulling plays out of a grab bag.
0: Can I tell you what I want? So, yeah. I'm an idiot, but... What I want is for TCU to run an offense to where I don't know what they're going to run.
1: Yes, where it's like, oh, that was so cool. But, like, they right. run the orbit motion, and you're just like, oh, yeah, Max is definitely going to... Right, right. Like, I'm oh. calling out... If I'm calling out plays before snap, something's gone wrong. Um, We'll we'll, we'll probably end up... I think I'm going to save this for the Sunday after the SMU game because Sonny Dykes has seen this on film. TCU, what, after re-watching the Cal game... TCU 100 has a tell with the Jet Suite. Oh um, well, yeah, obviously it's bad. It's yes. real bad. Yeah, and like it's like you fair.
0: said, idiots. If I can tell, Sunny, can tell. And even yeah. if it's not like formation, like if it's set up, like okay, the, the Evans run at the end of the half was a good play call because Cal was allowing them to run the ball. And even before yeah. the snap, I was like, oh, this is a handoff to Evans and it went for a touchdown, which is great. But um I, brought, I mean i brought it up a thousand times but duggan's qb power that he got first down on at the end of the game i was like i told my dad please don't run qb power here and they ran qb power because it was very obvious that's how they were set up like it's almost not even set up it's tendencies that you know they're going to go there on, on certain downs anyway that's sorry Ooh, I, i've gotten two into the weeds there no but yes
1: i'm with it i'm with that um let's do i've got i've got maybe two three more two of them are super easy that i'll answer one of them i want to ask you so anthony uh i think i said that right at squints underscore 15 ucf guy welcome to big 12 bro um does some really great film analysis and stuff go give him a follow he was asking just about like is it more beneficial to return a kickoff or just take the fair catch and take the ball at the 25 every time um okay i'm gonna let you answer first
0: Uh, I would answer with my lizard brain and then my real brain. My lizard brain says always return to kickoff. My real brain says I would bet the right answer is just take 25.
1: Yeah, so so if you look at, like, the EPA differences between starting at, like, your own 15 and then your own 25 and your own 35, it's just a lot better to consistently take the 25. Mm Mm-hmm. And special teams are one of the biggest sources of variance and and, and and in football, variance is positive, right? A lot of the times. Um, like on offense, for instance, variance means you're 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 breaking off big plays. But if you look at like the possibility for a stupid fumble, possibility for getting stuck deep in your own territory, the possibility for injury to guys, I am on team Take the Fair Catch. Um I think that I want to be confident enough in my offense that if we get the ball first and ten at the twenty-five, we're gonna move the ball so much that I don't need I don't need to bank on this crazy field position advantage. Um I think Grant I was looking at like stats and I think if field position if you won the field position battle you won the game like 56% of the time or something. Like that alone they, you got to be able to move the ball. That that alone I don't think is a big enough advantage. I do think that a lot of special teams work in college football, especially is kind of like make your bed every morning stuff. Like, Hey, we're going to practice this very tangible, yeah. very little thing. And that's going to kind of bleed discipline over and over. So that's why they focus so much on it. But generally I'm a, I'm on team fair catch because I just don't think the the risk reward of the expected points is, is, is big enough.
0: Yeah. Counterpoint kickoff returns are cool.
1: They're fun. They're very fun. But then also counter counterpoint sky Dawson. Well, yeah. Yeah, you I know what like I that.
0: love is you know what I love is is when the uh, the sky cam over the field like you get that view of the kickoff return cool. for a touchdown and like the, the the camera like switches back around after the, the returner passes and goes down the end zone. I love that.
1: Yeah, big fan of that. Um, I can <laughs> That's my analysis. <laughs> <laughs> the official position of the Purple Theory Podcast is: if it looks cool, do it. Um, um,
0: Unironically, yes. <laughs> unironically that is my it. position
1: okay i have two more i can't scroll and find them one of them asked me about special teams and success rate and i don't care special teams is so Perfect. random that i count for field position i don't care if you miss a field goal i actually in my models i just give you the predicted probability of the average probability of making a field goal it's like if you kick a field goal from you know the if you attempt a field goal from the 52 52 yards and you make it i don't give you three full points i give you like Point 0.9 because realistically you just don't make a field goal that often from 52 so I'm not giving I'm not giving people credit there so that doesn't go into success rate um, somebody else asked about success rate that definition comes from Bill Conley it correlates to EPA greater than zero but for the Luddites success rate is just if you get 50% of the yards available on first down, you're on schedule. 70% of the yards available on second down, you're on schedule. And then 100% on third or fourth down. And that kind of gives you your binary one or zero success. It's pretty straightforward.
0: Can I, I have almost certainly asked you this question before, but I'm going to ask you again. So let's say uh, you run a play on third down, you don't get the yards, but then you go for it on fourth and you do. Does that third down, I guess it would be technically graded as a failure, but does the fourth down success um, counteract that or or balance it or erase it or whatever? Only in that you get 50%
1: success rate instead of 0%, right? What I do in my previews and stuff is I look at drive, like, I don't know. I don't have a good word because I don't like to say the word extension, but like drive extension, right? So I I like third down avoidance and then I like Mm -hmm. drive extension. So... Um, you know, if a team is like three for seven on third downs, but they're two for four on fourth downs, mm-hmm. I give them credit for those two that they got on fourth downs and add those to the third downs and say like, okay, you extended the drive.
0: That's right. what so it right? so basically turns out a five for five or seven because they yeah. move the chains. Okay. Yep. Got, it. Yep. got it.
1: Got it. Got it. Okay. Because I theoretically, like everyone has the option to, for two tries on third down. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. 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 Like we are not beholden to a third down system.
1: And it's different than like first down. I'm saying like, Hey, I want to get a chunky yards and then take a shot and then try and clean up the garbage on third down. But if you're facing like third and 10, it's extremely viable to say, Hey man, I'd love to get four or five yards here and then try it again. That's the that's, so strategy. So,
0: so we're going to wrap up, but, but I have a question for you now, because I'm curious on your theory about this, but I, I know a lot of coaches and a lot of people that play um, Madden, we'll take the strategy where, hey, you know, we got eight yards on first down, right? So it's second and two. We're going to take a shot, right? We're going to try to get deep, assuming we can get this two yards on third down. So I, I almost wonder if there's a scenario where a team is really good on first down and then turns out to be kind of crappy on second, but is good in third downs and how that shows up in the models because they take that shot and that shot may be a hit, you know, a 10% chance of hitting, it doesn't get picked off. The quarterback just you know throws it out or, you know, uh, m- misses a throw or whatever. And then they convert the two yards on third down. Um, it seems like that might almost yeah. kind of show, show up a little bit.
1: That's probably a more interesting question in the NFL because I can almost guarantee that in college, um, there's going to be a problem where the coach who is thinking like that is going to have such a talented team. That they're gonna yeah. get, they're gonna be successful on that. No, so like, you're right. The you're example, right. right, is like, what if a team gets eight yards on first down every time, and they always miss their second down shot, and then does that mess with their efficiency? And I'm saying probably that doesn't exist in the NFL, maybe because the talent advantage is like the same, similar. But in college football, if you're a coach who's who's thinking like that, you're probably kicking ass.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right. I I, I was just thinking about how that would have should have been the numbers, just because you you know.
1: Right, no, it would, it would. So absolutely, I I don't think I answered that thoroughly, sorry. So it would, it would diminish your success rate. Your success rate would be 66%, when in reality, it's 100% because you were doing exactly what you want to do. And that's a good limitation on, you know, what aggregate numbers can do. But then there's also, that's endogenous to like coaching quality and team quality run up together. So if you're making those decisions, you're probably talented enough that you're that's not really messing with your efficiency.
0: Right, and I don't even mean that in terms of like a pure, like, you know, zero sum game to where it's always eight yards, always zero, always the necessary two. J- just the sort of teams, you know, that had the luxury of taking those shots on second down, right. how that would show up is, is the only question.
1: But corner, corner solutions are useful. Like let's go to the extreme. Sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, Okay. Parker, do you have anything else for us, man?
1: No, I think I'm out. I think this is a sufficiently cool. long and rambling bi-week podcast.
0: Yeah, we did over an hour. Max slept the entire time, and we talked about uh, numbers for, like, half of it. So that's a successful box.
1: And we didn't even talk about this week's slate of games, which I'm I'm, I'm okay with. Yeah.
0: Yeah, shoot. I didn't even think about that. Um, okay. Well, we
1: kind of did with the Big 12. Kinda we kind of did with the Big 12 teams. We are like, they're playing this weekend. Yeah.
0: Okay. Give me one game. It doesn't have to be Big 12 that you're looking forward to the most.
1: This weekend? Yeah. Um... I think I think West Virginia Texas Tech is gonna be weird man I think it's gonna be so weird um, I it's a it's a pretty good game I think that you have you know Alabama Florida is going to be high quality and potentially embarrassing for Dan Mullen which is always checking my boxes um, and I will say uh, I had plus 3500 money line on South Carolina beating Georgia so I threw one single dollar on that bad boy uh, I think it's 350 sorry. One, one, one single dollar on that bad boy. So I'll be keeping an eye there, just because South Carolina has been terrible and beaten Georgia before, and that would be very funny.
0: I love it. I will take the class of the the, the clash of cultures. That is Arizona State at BYU.
1: Yeah, I don't think we know a lot about either team there.
0: No, but I'm just thinking of all the Sun Devils rolling into Provo, uh, like a plague of locusts. Oh, well, okay.
1: Have you been out there?
0: <laughs> I've been to Utah, yeah.
1: Okay, so pro, so we stayed a week in Salt Lake, so I'm an expert on yeah, it. Yeah, I've been to Salt Lake. I was yeah, surprised yeah. because I, I was kind of under the impression that it was like, hey, there's this, you know, the center of Salt Lake City is a Mormon temple and Provo is this like small town out in the middle of nowhere. And Salt Lake City is only like, I don't, I don't get the exact number. It is not a big city. I thought it was a big city. They have an NBA no. team. But realistically, Salt Lake City is small, but then there's all these towns around them in the valley. Yeah. And it's like this huge, yep. sprawling urban area and Provo's connected. So like, yeah, there were weird times where like at six o'clock on a Wednesday, I was like, oh, I'm going to go to the liquor store and buy beer. And they all closed at five. It was like, what the hell is right. happening here? But generally, it's it's a lot more um, integrated of a city than I thought. Like I, I would go to a game very happily and stay in Salt Lake oh. and go to Provo.
0: Yeah. I would too, no doubt. I, I just think I just think the culture class is going to be weird. Should also shout out uh, North Carolina host Virginia in the Deep South's oldest rivalry. My dad would be at that game, I'm pretty sure. So very excited for that. Nice. Um, okay, Parker. This has been Purple Theory Podcast. You can follow Parker at Stats of War on Twitter. You can follow me at Grant McGalliard on Twitter. Spelled exactly like it sounds with all those vowels. Probably not going to have a article up on the sub stack unless... Parker gets a wild hair and writes something this week because it's bi-week and I'm recovering from a hurricane and Parker is somewhere in the wilderness of the mountain time zone. But you can subscribe anyway at purpletheory.substack.com. We will have, and I'm holding Parker to this right now, a recap episode on Sunday just to take a trawl through the Big 12 see what was going on. Uh, other than that, go Frogs. Beat bye week